It is Wednesday, the 24th of May, 2017. I am Robin Yellow and this is Tectasm episode 51. 3,310 reasons to keep your iPhone. And with me again, because he's hopped up on prescription drugs, is James Woodall. Hello, hello, hello. It's been a while. It's been nearly a month, James. Wow. We crested the 50th episode. Yes. And then went to sleep. It was a good sleep, though. Well, look, this week, James, to get us back into the spirit of things, we're going to be looking at the new Nokia 3310 landing in Britain. IKEA is making cheap smart bulbs, and WannaCry is still lingering with us. And we'll be judging all of these stories and some others to tell you if they are a techtasm, which is a blend of tech for technology and tasm for phantasm, something existing only in a person's mind. So without further shouty waffle, let's get on with the show. Sky News reported today that the Nokia 3310 mobile phone goes on sale in the UK. Now, James, this is an old story because this was announced back at MWC, wasn't it? It was, it was, but people didn't really get their chance to kind of play with it. Um, and now that people have, there's some interesting stories come out. There's a, I guess, a companion article in my favourite website, Ars Technica, um, which uh, starts... Nokia 3310, overpriced and underpowered. Overpriced and over here. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Well, it first came out in 2000, James, but it was discontinued five years later, which is a hell of a good run for a phone. Uh, it was known for its long battery life, the fact that it was indestructible, and it had snake on it. Yes, yes. Did you ever have one? Um, I Well, there was a family of them, wasn't there? There was a 3210, 3310. There was the 5110 which if you're 5120 sorry that had you remember the interchangeable covers that you could get the first oh yes that's right yeah covers um so yeah it was all about snake i think didn't that phone have snake too it had snake too yes and in fact that's one of the complaints that it doesn't have the original snake two game on it it's got some kind of jazzy jazzed up modern version of snake two which is upsetting a few people but this phone, James, just to give you a couple more facts about it, it lasts a month on standby. Now, one of the reasons for that, of course, is because it's only got 2.5G, which means you can only get basic internet on it, and there's no Wi-Fi. What are they thinking? I don't know who this appeals to. I mean, you can't even play Snake 2 on it. It's terrible. Send it back. Send it back to the ex-Nokia executives that backed Chinese electronics giant Foxconn, who took over the Nokia feature phone business in December, and HMD, I think, is the name of the company there. But uh, no, I don't think either of us will be investing one. We think it's a pointless, ex or sorry, I think is a pointless exercise in nostalgia, and uh, I think they're going to rue the day they ever thought this was a good idea. Very true, very true. So do you think this has got tectasm written all over it? Writ large, writ large. Okay, well, let's move on before we can say much more terrible things about that. IKEA. I'm sure you're a fan of IKEA. Um, I love it. I know that my wife is. It's a treat. In fact, for her birthday last year, her present was a trip to IKEA. 
Um, I'm certain it will be the same thing this year. Now, I'm not sure I would go that far, though, James. Um, <laughs> Apple, Google, and Amazon, one of the things they have in common is the fact that they've got these home automation systems. And IKEA have announced that they're bringing a range of smart lighting that will be compatible with all three. And, of course, in true IKEA fashion, it will be cheap. So, what do you think? Well, I, I think when IKEA start making things, then that's usually the sort of signal that it's going to become mainstream. Yes. Uh, and by doing this, so there's two things I think which will come out with this. One, I think the lights will be cheap. And two, they'll be there when you're walking around IKEA after your Swedish meatballs. So they'll be in front of you and you go, oh, I'll buy a packet of those and see what happens. So I think, so, so two things. I think one, it's probably um, going to uh, massively increase the amount of smart lights in homes. And two, I think it's probably going to increase purchases of Google Home, uh, Amazon Alexa devices, and, you know, people controlling their lights with their, their mobile phones. I mean, I, do you have any smart bulbs yourself james no we have smart um we've got the smoke detectors the nest smoke detectors that's kind oh, of okay yeah. foray into smart devices we don't have the smart bulbs my brother has the philips hue bulbs and raves about them thinks they're absolutely brilliant so yes they're quite expensive though philips hue yes bulbs aren't they but they were kind of early innovators in this space of course, the story here is that they will get compatibility with these voice-controlled devices, so that you can say, you know, oh, you know, you can say your your wake word, turn the lights on, turn the lights down, make the lights orange, sunset, burnt orange, please. You know, you can give instructions on a whim, which will then be carried out by your smart bulbs. Um, and and you know, well, that's fine. I've got a couple of smart bulbs. Yeah. And uh, I just use them to sort of come on and off again to make it look like there's somebody here when we're out. Interesting. Uh, and that's on a kind of program. I do that with Ift, you know, if this, then that. Yeah, yeah. So I just control them with that. And I don't, I mean, they can be enabled, but I don't, I don't do them. I've actually got smart plug switches from Wemo, which can be enabled by both Amazon Alexa and Google Home devices, which of which I have both. Uh, and I set it all up so we could turn on the heaters in the lodge and my wife never uses them. Brilliant. Good investment. Yeah, it was. Well, they were a present, so I didn't actually invest directly. <laughs> but bring it on. That's what I say. Okay. Well, now, let's go on to the next story, James. Um, let, let's talk. I know it's a bit of an old story, right? Maybe 10 days old. But this ransomware wanna cry. This these infections which occurred in nearly 100 countries, including Russia and China, the UK, the National Health Service was hit, uh, and Nissan in Sunderland in France, the Renault factory were, was hit in Spain. Uh, their um, Iberodrola, uh, I've got that wrong, Iberola, I, a Spanish natural gas company was hit. Uh, also, German local ticket, railway ticket machines in Germany, computer labs in Italy, everybody get hit by this, okay? Um, but it's still hanging around, isn't it? Because actually, just because we became aware of it a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't mean that the threat still doesn't exist. Tell us a little bit about how WannaCry works, James. Yeah, so effectively, um, it's it's two things, really. Number one, it's a, a piece of ransomware which encrypts a number of files on your PC and effectively you have to pay to unlock. 
but what it's also is is a worm that exploits a patched floor in old versions of windows that allows it to spread across a network so it's dangerous in the sense that it does damage and it can spread in a prolific fashion because dare i say it people don't keep their computers up to date no and this affects mainly x windows xp and windows 7 machines doesn't it so if you've got windows 10 you're safe aren't you correct yes the patches for windows i believe vista 7 and 8 were released back in march for this microsoft were not obligated to release a patch for xp because it's out of support but they did so a few weeks ago Mm. Did they do that in response? Yes, they've yeah. they've never done it before. That sorry, I say never. There was a case a few days after Windows XP was end of life where they released a patch, but we're talking three years. They haven't released any patches for Windows XP in three years. Well, one of the interesting tech angle angles of this story, not just the fact that it occurred, is the fact that. Of course, in order to pay Bitcoin to decrypt your device, uh, to, to decrypt your device, you have to give a Bitcoin, don't you? Mm-hmm. Is it Bitcoin or half a Bitcoin or a third of a Bitcoin or something? I think uh, you know, it's the, the ra- equivalent of three hundred dollars, which I so I think the price just changes. Oh, okay, and uh, and on that basis, of course, the the method by which. Uh, these um, pirates will send you the decryption key is by giving them Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin's gone mental the last few days. It's gone up to $2,300, from its base a couple of weeks ago of a half of that. Um, So what's going on there? Is it just the ransomware, which has uh, legitimized Bitcoin as a method of extortion, or what's happening? Well, Bitcoin has been up and down constantly through its entire life. I mean, that's that's nothing new and there were times when it was at one point a thousand dollars and it went down to 500 it's it, it is inc- an incredibly volatile currency i do think that stories like this have added some legitimacy to it because what makes this r- ransomware so effective is it can't be traced because it uses two things it uses bitcoin for the payment but it's also using tor for the data transmission in the back end. So it allows these kind of illegal activities to go on. Some would argue that I would have thought, I would have thought actually the value of Bitcoin would have gone down um, because it would have been associated with this sort of, you know, cyber ransomware. Um, and that would have tainted its, uh, you know, its, its reputation as a potential currency replacement for the world. Um, but the opposite seems to have happened. Yeah, but you, you can't predict the market. I mean, if we could, we'd be not doing this and sitting on a beach with a cocktail. Well, do you know, I bought $100 worth of Bitcoin in May 2010. Do you know what it's worth now? <laughs> thousands and thousands. $75 million. Seriously? No, no, no. I wish I'd bought $100 worth. That was it. Sorry. Sorry, James. I wish I'd bought $100 worth of Bitcoin in 2010. Yes. I mean, it is very volatile, isn't it? If you look at the graph... Uh, showing the the value of Bitcoin, it does go up and down all over the place, and uh, I suppose that instability is because people don't really know what to do with it. Um, uh, but you know, no publicity is bad publicity. So the fact that Bitcoin is linked to this probably increased people's awareness of it, uh, understanding of it, and desire to perhaps acquire it. So <laughs> terrible, terrible news, I think, for the people that you know that it happened to. Um, but it's easy to clean, is it? 
Um, it, it is. It is. Um, it's. It's easy to clean, but it's hard to decrypt. So. So you wouldn't decrypt it. You just wipe the machine. Yes. And then get restore from backup. Right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But but I guess the question that I've got is, will this encourage some of these larger? slower organizations to ditch unsupported software because Microsoft in the past have been very vocal about saying to companies, you know, get rid of Windows XP. It was good in 2001 when it came out. We're not in 2001 anymore. Yeah, true. Um, but I think that um, the the problem with upgrading software is, of course, that it costs not just the cost of the license, which is great for Microsoft and Microsoft's shareholders, but it costs in terms of the program, the project required to do that update needs, you know, a lot of IT people to go around patching machines, checking things out, restoring, training. You know, if you move from Windows XP to Windows 10, there's going to be an element of training required. It's, it's an expensive thing to do. So I think larger corporations, governments, institutions shy away from doing upgrades until they absolutely have to. But of course, this is one of the consequences. You know what I my answer to this whole problem is, James? Go to a Chromebook. Yeah, let's go to a Chromebook. Just get a Chromebook. I have to say the advantage of doing that is if you just switch to web-based software, the terminal doesn't really matter. And browsers now are so advanced. I mean, we're recording Tectasm in a browser application. We are. Yeah, that's right. We do. We use Zencaster to record this show, and it works almost perfectly. Though we did struggle a bit tonight, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Irony upon ironies. Is there a Tectasm here? Do you know, I don't think there is. I, I just wanted just to update people on the, on the story and just delve a little bit into the Bitcoin ransom and the price, that's all. So, uh, I, you know, the tech this is a reality. So there's no tectasm here. This is a real threat and your data really is encrypted. And this is a real story. So uh, no tectasm. Okay, well, listener, that one's on us. So in CNBC, Todd Hasselton is talking about Microsoft and their answer to the Amazon Echo. Now, I know you're a big fan of the Echo, and I believe you've got a Google Home as well. I've got them both. I started with the Echo, and then I moved on to the Google Home because I'm quite invested in the Google Google ecosystem, as you know. Um, so I do have experience of them both, yeah. Do you actually enjoy using them? Because when you got, first got the Amazon Echo, you were a bit unsure as to what its purpose was. Now that you're, I guess, a year in now, what, what do you think? Um, so I would say that I love the industrial design of the Amazon um, and I hate its ability to understand what I'm saying, but it is getting better as time moves on. The Google One uh, hated the industrial design. It looks plasticky cheap and awful, but the functionality is excellent. So I'm kind of, you know, uh, I like them both, but um, I prefer the Google one because it does better things with sound and multiple speakers in multiple rooms, a bit like, um, a bit like Sonos. Uh, it's great. like a cheap man Sonos, and you know how cheap I am, James. <laughs> yes, I certainly do. So Microsoft are bringing themselves to the party, and they've teamed up with Harman Kardon, who make great speakers. Ooh, nice. And they've added Cortana into a Harman Kardon speaker, which is really interesting. So they're going to try and compete in that in that space. And they've got the standard speech, you know, what's the weather, that kind of thing going that you get with Cortana. But interestingly enough, they've added Skype. Now, what's great about Skype, and of course, Microsoft owns Skype, is that Skype comes with calling real people on real phone numbers. And why that's interesting 
is that neither Google nor Amazon do that. Well, do you know, they didn't when this was announced. But what's happened subsequently, James, is that Amazon have announced that the Echo, they, they, they previewed the Echo Show, which has got a video screen on it, and announced that Echoes and Echo Shows will be able to make calls, video calls and audio calls, to other Echo users in your whitelist. And then hot on the heels of that, would you believe, at Google I.O. last week, Google announced that they were introducing calling on the Google home coming which means in the next couple of months but that would include free calls to landlines in north america and canada oh, sorry so, north america usa canada so effectively uh, any advantage that microsoft had with their brand new device has now been taken away evaporated evaporated and i think they must have had these things in you know in a state of planning for some time to be able to sort of pull this out of the hat yeah so a Microsoft speaker, uh, what say you? Well, uh, Harman Kardon, of course, is a brand you're probably more familiar with than me in terms of being a more high-end kind of blokey. Um, are they good? Well, they're good, good quality speakers, and they make their way into some high-end automobiles. I think I had a Mercedes once with Harman Kardon speakers. Well, if they made put them in Mercedes, you had one. Um, yeah, certainly it's one of those prestige brands, isn't it? So I think it's a really good um, relationship. It's a good market for Microsoft to get into in that way because, of course, you know their strength with Windows is providing an operating system to a range of original equipment manufacturers, and this, again, is following that model. So whereas their Surface range is very much them doing the hardware and software, clearly for Cortana, they're thinking, well, they're opportunity is to allow anyone that wants to enter into the speaker market Bose for example be another example of a, a speaker company that could perhaps do a very good job here to put an operating system into it you know or, or put a service into it in this case Cortana are you are you uh, a user a user of Cortana James uh, I don't have a Microsoft device no I'm a Siri guy but you've got a Windows you've got Windows 10 right I do but I've never used Cortana no, I, I've got Windows, a couple of Windows 10, and I don't use it See, either. On a laptop, I just don't get it. I mean, I've got it on my Mac, and I just don't use it. I just, I think, so Siri on a phone is brilliant. And the thing I use it the most for is setting timers for poached eggs. Sounds really yeah. silly. Yeah, but timers. Hands-free and say, hey, I need a timer for three and a half minutes. Uh, I'm not going to say the wake-up word. Um, that is one of the primary use cases is timers. Timers, turning radio on and off music on and off um and uh in the case of google home asking it stupid facts mm, yeah i have to say siri is pretty terrible for that because very quickly siri will go off into uh wikipedia links and just say here's a link i found on the web that you have to click yeah on. look on your phone yeah who the hell wants that nobody google have owned this space when it comes to that stuff so i think really the opportunity for a tectasm here james is is the fact that they're me tooing they're just following everyone else in the market and it won't be long of course before apple come out with theirs um, but i think it, this market is so powerful and so fast growing that they none of these companies have got any choice they have to follow in the market and microsoft have got quite an interesting take on that haven't they by by working with third parties and offering cortana as a service yes agreed uh i i think let's just see i mean i think the big one we're waiting for though is apple when are they going to enter the market yeah well that's when you'll be putting your hand in your pocket Nonsense. 
Let's move on to our final story. Now, there is a London app developer who wants to reinvent the bus. Okay. Now, this company, City Mapper Smart Bus, have these micro buses, which apparently they've been operating in Mexico City. Um, and what they do is it's an app-driven route. So what you can do is you can, a bit like Uber, James, you can watch these buses moving around in real time and time your journey to pick them up um, based on the app. So I don't know whether the, the route actually changes uh, to find you or whether you have to go to sort of, quotes a bus stop. It's unclear to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, buses are kind of heavily regulated, aren't they, in, say, cities like London? So how would that... Ugh. Well, it's just a private bus. I think, the, the you know, you're right. that The official bus service, as you say, will be regulated for all sorts of things. This being a private service, is this for anyone with a minivan <laughs> who can <laughs> set up a bus service? Uh, I but it, but it taps into those sorts of things that... Um, Uber is hated for things like dynamic pricing, uh, yeah. rerouting for traffic. So, you know, if the route has only got five people signed up for it and, and, and of course, the system will know where their stop points are, yeah. um, then it can route intelligently rather than just following the same route. So, I don't know. There's, there's, it's interesting. It definitely is interesting. Uh, I like these disruptive technologies because they make legacy companies think about things in a different way and sometimes that means the legacy company disappears other times it means that the legacy company steps up to the plate so i think uber has really shaken up the taxi industry uh which is is fantastic so but i'm not too sure about the bus i i can't see myself using it well i'll tell you if you've got you see the thing is right i mean you've got this uh this company called you know city mapper smart bus and and you've got that app on your phone and then you've got you know uber and maybe you've got green tomatoes or whatever or or get or any one of these services and then maybe a new bus micro bus provider comes and before you know you've got 20 apps on your phone and none of them are talking to each other and there's no way to do a comparison to see which is best and then somebody will say here is the uber uber which sits on top of all these bus and cab apps and tell you the tells you the fastest way to get where you want because i tell you you did i mean you've probably seen this james but in your google maps uh app on your phone one of the options for getting somewhere is by taxi and uber and get both appear in there through through some kind of partnership deal with with google so why not buses that's well that's well i mean to be fair you can already get transit directly. oh yeah that's true yeah you can get official transit uh, official buses can't you the buses and trains are kind of combined together in an integrated public transport system yeah, look, it's a disruptive technology. I'm interested to see how it's going to work work itself out. So yeah, yes, and I'm. I think so. Uber is pretty much hated because of its surge pricing and Actually, stuff that happened like. Happened to me today. I was, I got a taxi to to my appointment. I think I was on the phone to you at the time, and uh, Uber proudly told me that the journey was going to cost one point eight times more. And the thing is, you're actually quite a bit stuck because what else are you going to do? You know, well, exactly. You know, Just you not know. take them next time. 
So, uh, right. So when it comes to a bus, there's something about knowing a bus route. You stand in one place, a bus turns up eventually, and there are multiple buses. The thing about a private hire minibus like this is it's unclear to me, you know, and it says they've got things like USB ports for charging your phone and a few, you know, extra facilities and features. Um, and the ability to dive around traffic if nobody gets impacted by it. Um, I'd be interested to try it, but I just ah, it sounds like somebody's had a, you know, a brainstorming lunch over a couple of craft beers and said, wouldn't it be great if we could screw the public on buses as well as taxis? Yeah, that, that, yeah, that you you might be right. I mean, uh, City Mapper, they actually have a pretty good app, um, but there is very much a Me Too aspect in the whole city moving around, you know, aspect. So I I do you know they need to keep evolving. Maybe this is just the latest brain fart. Could be. I'm going to call this one a tectasm. We had to have one this week, yes, and this is it. Okay. That's all for this week. Find us as usual at facebook.com/tectasm. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Feedburner. Uh, contact us at feedback at techtasm.com and remember if you are subscribed on iTunes take 30 seconds and give us 5 stars it doesn't mean you don't have to like us but it's just the way that we get promoted on iTunes is if you give us 5 stars it's just it's meaningless alright that's all it is you don't have to make a comment on the show anyway add over we record most months at nine o'clock on a Tuesday so watch out for next time's episode this is me <laughs> Robin Yellow it's me, James Woodall. Asking the question on your behalf, is it real or is it just a tectasm? Mm-hmm.